0: After years on the road, Toomey parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore. To hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey.
1: All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me. This is episode 110, and my guest this week is John Drake of the Nerf Herder Council. He's on the line, so we're going to go ahead and say hello to John. What's going on, man? What's up, man? How's it going? Oh, you know, just living the dream. As always. As we were last week. (laughs) right yeah as you guys have noticed uh, a few episodes have come out now with uh, john and i talking about a few things uh we're gonna we're gonna work john into the fold here to talk to me compounds get him on get him on more and more and uh and put him in a co-hosting uh capacity for you guys and so you know it's been fun i've always enjoyed john on uh, the nerf herder council i've always enjoyed john when he's been on the uh on the on the classic metal show with our good friend over there chris aiken so it's a lot of fun man i'm happy to uh have you on board
2: yeah, appreciate it, man. I, I appreciated the invite when you gave it to me. Uh, I've listened to your show for a while now, and uh, I had a, a lot of fun last week, man. I think we can really get into some good stuff on here.
1: Hopefully, man. Hopefully, I guess we can squash our beef. We can uh, publicly come <laughs> yeah. out and say our beef is over. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do we didn't do too well at beefing with each other, did we? No, we didn't. It was terrible. <laughs> that
2: was a that was a that was a piss poor beef. <laughs> Well, man, I mean, it, it all
1: it all came from uh, from from the classic metal show and talking metal, just having their big uh, jerk off session. There, it was it was pretty bad.
2: <laughs> you were there for the that too, session. so Jesus, I was, I was, I was, I was co hosting with Chris when Neely was out, and then all of a sudden he, uh, you know, put put him on the line, and I was like, wow, look at this, couldn't even believe it. You should have seen the look on Aiken's face when he when he got that was astronomy, right? Yeah, John, astronomy. I was. I was I always get the two confused. I always get them backwards. So, yeah, he he gets us astronomy on the line, and Aiken's face was like, what the hell? So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that was pretty interesting. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm here for classic metal show history. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
1: Alright, as you guys know, I like to start up the show with an iTunes review, but for now, like two weeks in a row, there's been no iTunes review, so make sure to head over to your iTunes, leave a nice five-star rating, a nice five-star review, and it will be read on an upcoming episode, and we will also get into our shout-outs for sharing, and that is shout-outs for sharing on Facebook and Twitter. And so, for sharing the episode 109 with Chris Sinzak of the Disciple Geek Podcast, that was a hugely successful podcast, by the way. Tons of uh, tons of listens and tons of shares, so let's get into it. Sonny Pooney, Adam Cox, MDG Rock Photography, that's our good friend Mike G over there. And uh, no matter what he says about my show, <laughs> he'll always be a fan. Andy Hotz of the <laughs> band Zero King, uh, Daniel Terry of Discography Discussion shared it, Derek Novak, Mike Grabowski, Eric Moore of the Saturday Night Jam Session podcast. We need some more episodes of that. Eric, get that out soon. Dan Shapu, William Douglas, Chris Sinzak himself, Joel Baggett, and Ron Runyon of uh, Decibel Geek TV shared it. Decibel Geek itself shared it. My good friend Rico Kohler, Kenneth Wall, and the Cobras and Fire podcast shared it. So if you guys want a shout out on a future episode of the Talk To Me podcast, make sure you are sharing on Facebook, Retweeting on Twitter, and I will uh, uh, say
2: your name on a future episode of the podcast. Shout them out, as it were. Shout them out. Speaking speaking of shouting out loud. Okay. I believe you have your, uh, we have the... uh, kissmas in July, don't we?
1: <laughs> Our nice homage to the Decibel Geek podcast, who has been doing kissmas in July all, all month. This month, they've been doing some great episodes over there. I don't know if you're a, a listener of those guys, but uh they always pull out some crazy, crazy guests over there. They always have like, you know, the the, the fourth guitar player on Animal Eyes, you know, <laughs> like out of nowhere, <laughs> and they'll pull, they'll right. pull out. Uh, I think last week they had Pixie. I can't think of her last name, but she had something to do with the designing of the dynasty costumes. And she did their make. you know, helped with the makeup. And, uh, and she was like, uh, on the dynasty tour in charge of the costumes. I mean, how, how do these, how they find these people is beyond me.
2: That's crazy. That's like, we were talking about that, that Greg Renoff guy with the Van Halen book. Like you find all these people just like that are so underground. Like, how do you make those kinds of connections? <laughs>
1: right i mean it's, it, i was thinking about this i was i was trying to you know since i have zero original thoughts when it comes to my podcast i was trying to think of like a, <laughs> like a a a you know pantera in may or something like that you know like trying to think of 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 finding obscure people in the pantera universe to bring on you know and it, with those guys i mean you can find uh you know tongs or or you know uh um, what was his name um, Sterling Winfield? You know those type guys that, yeah, they, Winfield, that you yeah, know the that roadies. You, yeah, the roadies and, and producers and things like that, and you know try to find those guys and have those guys on for for maybe a month. Um, you know, I've been I've been thinking about doing maybe a a Pantera uh, dime bag special in December. You know, just to bring on a few people. You know, because when I have people on that have toured with them, I always have to have them. You know, give a story or two.
2: Oh yeah, be had of shadow doubt. doubt. and maybe combine all the, all that. Hey, I'd be all I'd be all in for that. I I love l- learning more stuff about Dimebag, talking about Dimebag, and Pantera is one of my top five favorite bands, so I'd be all in for that.
1: And so this actually brings it all back together because the "Talk to Me" cover of the week brought to you by Puck Hockey, and that's p u c k h c k y dot com. Make sure to head over there, shop till you drop. Use the promo code Talk at checkout for ten percent off your entire order. Yes, that is Talk, as in Talk to Me for 10% off your entire order so i found dimebag doing a cover of snowblind i guess it was on a tribute to ace freely so and, and and i consider the solo albums kiss albums right you can do that right <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> so uh, so i found dimebag doing snowblind it's pretty good i liked it and then uh, man you and what we were talking about with the dimebag stuff what i was talking about on the discography discussion podcast you can just even though it's a, an ace freely song you can tell it's Dimebag playing, so let's check it out.
0: Philippe and Salmo here, and you're listening to Talk to Me podcast. Rock on.
1: Connect
0: right with Talk to Me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Talk and Twitter at TalkToMeTalk. Talk.
1: All right, that was uh, Dimebag's version of Snowblind. Thoroughly enjoyed that, and and once again, John Drake is with us. He will be with us for a while. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. And uh, last, you know, and in, in one of the last episodes, we talked about Chester and the passing of Chester Bennington of Linkin Park. And you know, not I was never a huge Linkin Park fan. I had the first album, and and you know, I we're not really going to get into that again. I did finally see an acoustic tribute to him. Uh, the singer of Trivium did a uh, an acoustic tribute to of, of one of their songs, and I thought it was pretty funny. I was like, oh, there it is. I, I, I was actually surprised I didn't see more. I did see a couple of bands, um, like Motionless and White, I believe, played like a full-on cover of uh, In the End or something, and um, Corey Taylor, how he would always do uh, – tr- just basically, you know, dedicated a song to him. Didn't necessarily play a Linkin Park song, but you know, you didn't see like when when uh, Chris Cornell passed, all of the dozens and dozens of uh, of acoustic covers coming up.
2: Do you think now? Do you think that's because it's very difficult to do Linkin Park acoustically, or do you think it's because people don't really care as much as they did with Chris Cornell?
1: Um, I think a little bit of both. I was actually really more taken aback by how many people. That are that that follow this show or or in other bands and you know just through Facebook and Twitter of how many people talk about how Lincoln Park was kind of their gateway band and you know not necessarily the people in my age group our age group but maybe like ten years younger you know that 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 Hybrid Theory was like their introduction to metal. You know, they're introducing, you know, you get into Linkin Park, but then you could move on to a Slayer or you move on to, you know, Avenged Sevenfold or something, you know, heavier, you know, and, yeah. then, and then to where we were kids, it was more of the goofy, like glam metal and, and stuff like that. But I mean, to them, Linkin Park was not necessarily something they listened to yesterday, but it's something that they got them into music. So they, they hold them in a in a special place. So so I was more taken aback by that.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I just, I I think I'm with you on that. I mean, it is a combination of it. Uh, You know, like I was saying last week, people just seem to come out of the woodwork. Like, oh my God, voice of a generation. I'm I'm glad that's kind of died down. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad it's not as bad as it was. You know, when Chris Cornell passed, because it just, it's just all right. Enough, enough already. (laughs) (laughs) uh, enough. Oh God. Yeah. It's seriously. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, those first two records, like we said, were great, but I just don't think it's, you know, something you can do acoustically. But again, I just think Chris Cornell was a little more influential. I think being, you know, associated with the grunge movement, the way that he was, I think, you know, is a little more, uh, you know, he had a little more influence on people musically than I would, I would say that a Linkin Park did. So, you know,
1: no, and I get that. And, I, and what I'm bringing this up for is this: the other question that kind of came up a lot with with this whole thing was who could replace him or should they replace him or, you know, should they just break up and, and move on? And my take on the whole thing was absolutely replace him. You know, it's not like, and we were just talking about Dimebag Daryl, it's not like Dimebag wanted to die, you know, or for any, for whatever reason, you know, if it's if it's a mental health issue, if it's depression or whatnot. Dimebag didn't kill himself. That's a that's a whole another fucked up situation. But a band like Linkin Park, where Chester outright just killed himself, should move on. I mean, you can't fault their guitar player and their bass player and their drummer. That's created this entire massive band. That now that they can't, what they're not allowed to play those songs anymore because their singer killed himself. That makes no sense.
2: Yeah, it's 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 basically like he took he took away their ability to make a living.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Like you said, it, it's a it, I I totally agree that it's a it's a completely different situation than it was with Dimebag because you know, like you said, Dime Dime didn't have a choice. So, for that, it's that that's a tragedy and while you know, the Chester thing is a tragedy in some respects, it's also you know, like I say, I mean it's he <laughs> these guys these guys have bills to pay as well and Chester you know, basically took that away from them in a way. And so if they, if they decided to continue, I know I would look at it as, well, yeah, you know, these, these guys, these guys got to keep the lights on too. So why not?
1: The thing is, if the, if the guitar player would have done this to himself or the drummer or bass player, you know, DJ, whatever his name is, like any of those guys would have done it instantly find a replacement. But now that, you know, he's the singer of the band and very, uh what do you call it very distinct voice of the band. You know, that's that's that whole thing, yeah, you know, that it's hard to replace that. And it's not and what's crazy about the whole thing is Chester was a replacement in another gigantic band. I mean he he was in Stone Tuple Pilots as a yeah. replacement for a for a singer that basically not necessarily killed himself on purpose, but killed himself through drugs. So it's it's not like it's yeah. uncharted territory for this guy. So I say 100 percent Go out with another singer and just say all the all the right things. You can never replace him. This is a tribute to him. This is blah blah blah. You know, but it, at the end of the day, man, this is the music business, and they're going to continue on because Lincoln
2: Park is a gigantic name. Do you think they're going to keep going? That, I mean, that's an interesting question because I think it also hinges on whether or not they want to do it without him. You know, they released that statement about you know how heartbroken they are and all that, which you know obviously is. You know they're going to say that but i mean D, uh, it really depends on whether or not they're going to look at they can't possibly you know do it without him so i i am I'm, I'm i'll be interested to see what 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 they're going to do
1: i mean they could honestly you know they they've made their money like they've they're Probably one of the few bands that you know they were they were around kind of before the uh, internet boom of of downloading and things like that. So I mean they they probably have some money stashed away and they could take this as kind of a scapegoat way to get out of whatever record contract or uh, you know just if they're just if they're tired if they're done with being in Lincoln Park and they all want to move on to something else they could just say. Oh, well, you know, we've decided, you know, in in honor of Chester, we could never do this without him. We're going to move on and do something else. And then, you know, then probably once they realize that nothing they do solo is going to be as big as Linkin Park, they'll reconvene and be like, oh, well, this is a tribute. But, at, at, you know, saying that, I think that they will continue on. I I think that they should, um, if they want to, I mean, like I said, maybe they're just tired of being Linkin Park and want to do something else. I mean, they could be yeah. like you know, look at Queen. I mean, Queen's out there with the dude from American Idol, and <laughs> right? you know, you've got so many so many bands out there that are Allison Chains and and even even like I said earlier, Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, those guys need to make livings, and I'm sure that the guys in Lincoln Park probably have money, but they also have bills, and I think uh, you know yeah. they, they've they've grown accustomed to living a certain lifestyle, and all they have to do is say the right things. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, well, this is the new Chester, or this is the replacement. they just got to say, hey, you know, this is in, in honor of them. And then the replacement guy has got to say, I'll never be Chester, and I never want to be Chester, and I looked up to Chester, and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, next thing you know, fans love them, and, and they move on.
2: Yeah, I think I think you mentioned a band that might be the perfect blueprint for this whole thing in Alice and Chains, because, you know, I mean, Lane Staley, like you said, it's kind of like the Scott Weiland thing that you mentioned where he, you know, he kind of in a way killed himself by just, you know, doing heroin until it killed him. So, you know, and they they were gone for a while and now they're back and they're, you know, working band again and making records and they got William Duvall and stuff like that. Um, I think the only difference being that, you know, Jerry Cantrell is the main songwriter for Alice in Chains. So it was not so much of a change for them because the main core sound of the band is there. And uh, I mean, I I don't know how much of the songwriting that Chester did, but if he did a significant portion of it, I mean, you're going to lose that influence right there. So it could, you know, but then again, you know, saying that that they could lose a bunch of their songwriting, maybe he was the one that was influenced him to put out that horrible new record. And I know it's <laughs> probably probably blasphemous to say because the guy just died like recently. But I mean, the fans pretty much looked at that record, and went, "What the hell are you doing?" So maybe bringing in somebody else that sounds like him, you know, and then taking some time off and then doing it again, maybe it'll bring him back more to a sound that the fans kind of more latched onto.
1: I could see that or you know even um the one dude did the Fort Minor album so you kind of know his his take on the whole thing. I mean, you know it's funny they have two singers to begin with. Maybe they just cut down to one singer. I don't know. Maybe they get uh Yeah. you know, a keyboard player that can sing the sing the uh Chester parts. You never know what they're going to do. And I think a, yeah. a, another good recent example of of a band uh what is it uh you know, going through their obligations with with a singer missing is Five Finger Death Punch. Did almost an entire yeah. European run without Ivan Moody, who is probably one of the most distinct voices, especially in that type of music and they just basically call up Tommy Vexter you know well so for some odd reason quote unquote he was out on the tour with them already, which that's red flags all over the place, like they almost knew something <laughs> was going to happen you know why I'm does right? why does Tommy Vex go to Europe with five finger death punch for no odd for no apparent reason, and it's just there. Ready to sing the songs, but that, yeah, that, right. that's 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 I digress, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean the fans no, that, the fans took to tommy. It's not like they 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 didn't riot, they didn't you know from from what I can tell they did i mean it was a festival run, so you're not necessarily gonna turn your tickets in over one dude missing, but uh everything I saw was very pro tommy vexed, and very you know the videos I saw sounded and looked good, and I think the, I think but I think with that band, I think the fans knew. Something was up with Ivan, just from over the last few years of just the the on again, off again, uh, you know, nonsense that he does on stage, off stage, and and just the very destructive behavior that he has.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say when you brought that up too. Is that you know, it's not like the guy died. It's it's I think it's been well documented that he's had his problems with substance abuse and on stage meltdowns and whatnot. So I think as soon as as soon as anybody. Even somebody like me who doesn't listen to the band, but I just keep up with music news. As soon as I saw, oh, well, they had this other guy on stage, I'm like, oh, so the other guy's messed up again. Yeah. So you're not going to look at it the same way as, well, is this respectful or disrespectful to replace a guy who, you know, who died for whatever reason?
1: Yeah, I mean, when Five Finger Death Punch was here, like, a, you know, Chris, Chris Gale grew up in Lexington, And I grew up in Nashville. We traded shows when we were young, you know, in in the 90s, our bands traded shows with each other. He eventually, when I moved on to Primer 55, he actually replaced me in the band 12 Volt Negative Earth that I was in. And so, I mean, we we have our connections there. And so when they were here, um, you know, I went out and I was, uh, it's funny, I was actually, uh, I had heard him talk on another podcast about how he'll how he's so addicted to his phone that he'll actually check his text messages like when they do like uh, costume changes or or whatever they go off stage for a minute and maybe Tommy and or not Tommy well Tommy now but Ivan and and yeah. uh, Jason would sit out there and, and do an acoustic song or something so I was texting him from the crowd and he was actually respl- re, uh, replying to me which I thought was hilarious <laughs> and then uh, at one point um, Ivan was out there talking and he was just like tears in his eyes crying about this baseball bat that he had been given in denver and it was just the most bizarre thing i'd ever seen and i remember texting him I'm like is your singer crying like <laughs> it was just <laughs> i was just watching it and that was that was probably a couple of months before you know one of the the one of the first big meltdowns they had
2: yeah did he ever did he ever give you any i mean since you've talked to him did has he ever Said anything to you about that situation?
1: No, I, I think I, honestly, I think his reply to me was like a no comment kind of reply. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. You know, he wasn't obviously. Even if he did, I, I necessarily wouldn't be my place to come on here and be like, "Yeah, Chris was like, fuck that guy." You know, I would never, uh, I would
2: never put him in that situation. <laughs> come on, man, we need downloads. <laughs> <laughs> right. spill, spill the dirt, Ju- juicy rumors. Come on, <laughs> right? Juicy rumors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean. You know, back to the Lincoln Park thing. I mean, they already did say that they're canceling the tour. So, you know, they, they've already done that. But I think, you know, it's a good question of how long that's going to be and, you know, what what their plans are. It's, it's just so interesting because, I mean, are they angry? Are they – I mean, I'm sure they're sad right now. But, you know, is there anger there? Is there enough, you know, negative feelings about him doing this to them? That they're like, yeah, well, you know, we have every right to keep going. And, and how are people going to look at that? Because, you know, there's going to be that segment of their fan base that's like, oh, this is so disrespectful. Like, yeah. you know, they're completely dissing Chester by doing this. And like w- without taking into consideration, like we said, well, you know, they're like all of us, even though they've got a ton of money, they do have bills to pay. And they got to, you know, keep the money rolling in somehow.
1: Well, it just it it all just comes back around to you know if it was the guitar player or the drummer, you replace him in a heartbeat, and then you know with it being Chester, it, it, you know that he took his own life. It's not like you know, he was, you know, murdered, killed in a car accident. You know this this wasn't on accident. Like this is something you know. Like I said earlier, no matter if what was going on in Chester's mind, Chester did this. And so, I mean, you can't. Th- there's five other guys in Lincoln Park that have mortgages, bills, child support, whatever they have. And you know, just because Chester did this to himself, you cannot, you cannot expect the five other guys in the band to just stop.
2: Yeah, and I mean, and it's not even just the other five guys in the band. I mean, it's you know, I, when uh, Mike Portnoy wanted to go on this, you know, several-year hiatus from Dream Theater. Uh, one of the, one of the things that the guys had said was, yeah, well, you know, like we just said, we have bills to pay, but it's not just about them. They have, you know, the tour staff and, you know, office people and all these other, you know, employees that are relying on the band being a functioning act in order, you know, to keep going and and to keep their families going. So it isn't just about the musicians. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of other people to consider here.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that Lincoln Park pie is, is very large. You know, you got labels and managers <laughs> yeah. and booking agents and road crew and you know the, all that stuff. It's and, and you know that, that, that affected, you know, the, the the Pantera guys when Dime was killed. You know, the all the guys that were out with that that tour. I mean, you know, all a lot of those Pantera guys went over to damage plan and were on that tour. So I mean you, you're basically almost an entire economy has stopped because of Chester's death.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens, because you know they. I mean, I, I don't I don't think they'll come out if let's say they are pissed and they decide to do it. You're never you're never going to get that true answer of, well, I'll f this guy, he screwed us. So, you know, we got to do what we got to do. It's just going to be well, you know, we want to keep the legacy alive, and I think the fans would want this, and blah blah blah. You know, Chester would numbers. Chester
1: would want this. <laughs> he would he would be yeah. <laughs> mad at us if we stopped all that stuff, all that all that okay. stuff that uh. Basically, they say Cliff Burton would be Cliff would have killed
2: us if we would have stopped and kicked us in the ass and stuff. If uh, Metallica would have stopped back then, yeah, I'd like to see what Cliff Burton would actually have to say about uh, Load and Reload and Saint <laughs> Anger, guys. Let's let's not worry about going to putting out justice for all. I think Cliff would have been fine with that, but I think uh, Cliff might have had some issues with uh, you know, Load Reload and Saint Anger.
1: You know you're a singer, so I mean you know Lincoln Park's got an opening right now. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that?
2: <laughs> well, I, I I can't scream, but I I have sang a number of Lincoln Park songs in my time karaoke and all that, and I've done a few in the, in the cover band. So who knows? Maybe I can submit an audition tape. I I did pass I did pass uh, first audition to make it onto the Voice that nice. television show. So who knows? <laughs> so you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe my future's in in Park replacing Chester.
1: So <laughs> this isn't this isn't a bad thing. So, I mean, but but at what age did you realize that doing a cover band was like the way to go?
2: It it wasn't really an age. It was it wasn't about for me like well I'm gonna stop doing the original thing. I'm just gonna do a cover band. You know, it was something I fell into because I was still doing an original band when I started it, and um, you know, I I just I had an offer to do it and you know some pocket money and being a single guy I was like yeah that's cool and I knew that there was money in the cover stuff and it was it was honestly for me it was an opportunity to sing stuff that you know I enjoyed that you never get to play in an original band you know because it was um, you know there was like some poppier tunes and then some I was in a classic rock cover band lead singing and I was playing bass in a you know another band so it wasn't really at just one point I just flipped the switch and went all right the, the original thing's done it's just I started doing it while I was doing the original thing as another outlet to play music, and then the original thing fizzled, and I just you know stayed with the cover thing, and now I'm in a band that you know makes a really good living, and uh, you know playing shows at it, so it's excellent, excellent money, and it's in my wife's hometown, so we get to see friends and family a lot, and it was really just kind of like a progression over the years. It was never, yeah, you know, it was never uh, a it in the towel. <laughs> Yeah. No, never. No. I mean, and, you know, and and I mean, I, I would have to be honest and say I probably have thrown in the towel with the original music now. I don't know where you stand, but I mean, sometimes, you know, and I, I never was on a label and I, I did some minimal regional touring. I never did anything, you know, nearly at the level you did. But I mean, you know, when you're in a local band, the, some you have to have everybody on the same page and you have to have help from from multiple guys to get the work done and after doing it for like 20 years you're just sick and tired of people dragging ass and you know selling tickets to shows and promoting and all this you just you you get burned out on it after a while and you're like "Ah, i've had enough of this that's funny you brought
1: that up that's like the one thing that i even if i get the inkling to want to do a band again like the the thought of like trying to get five dudes together for band practice and, you know, trying to get five dudes together for for a show, just all of that little stuff right there just kills all of that for me. Like, they, you know, it's funny, even, even doing the show like solo for so long, this podcast for so long, and then, you know, like we were having issues at the beginning at, at like 30 minutes in and we're still like, you know, dealing with Skype, which, you know, wasn't your fault, wasn't my fault, but it was still funny. We were having issues and I'm like... Oh yeah, now I gotta I gotta start dealing with another guy again. It's funny, you, you know. It's it's it, 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 which is not a bad thing, but it's still funny. And it like goes right back into, oh man, John's John Drake's twenty minutes late for practice again, and oh yep. he, he brought his girlfriend to practice, and oh now she, oh she wants to manage the band now, you know, just all of that stuff just makes me never want to be in a band ever again.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's like you you kind of have your your get your fill of it and eventually you just don't don't want to do it. I mean, like my I, you know, my first band Gallon almost got a record deal and so then we were doing the second band APG and I loved it. I mean, it was super fun. I, I was actually not the lead singer. That I played bass and I did, you know, backing vocals and uh and it was, I loved it because I didn't have to worry about my voice, you know, I didn't have to warm up and all that and you know, I could just play bass and not worry about it. And my guitar player, Don, who I would played with in Gatlin, he and I basically, you know, led both bands. You know, he, he owns and runs his own recording studio. He's actually working with Mushroomhead right now um, out in their studio. But, uh, you know, his schedule finally started getting so busy that to get him to commit to any sort of rehearsals was impossible we would have to book shows like four or five months in advance and then we'd maybe get one or two practices in for for that show. The writing hit a complete and utter stop and I just finally got tired of it. I'm like, you know, the band is stagnating and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just, you know, enough is enough already. And I just realized, uh, and now my cover band's like, we want to write original stuff. And I'm like, (laughs)
1: Like,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm like, you guys write it and just tell me what to sing. (laughs) Leave me out of it. (laughs) I don't even want to deal with it.
1: Was it was there a time when you were doing the original band and then when the cover band started to kind of come around, and you just you you would see like a like a, such a like a discrepancy in money, like the cover band would would come out with you know we'll we'll just say five hundred bucks, and then the the original band like had to pay to play or had to sell x amount of
2: tickets. Did you see that? I actually didn't because I was I was very fortunate in that. Uh, my first band, Gatlin, we were actually, um, at the time we were at our peak, we were actually the biggest draw in town. So, uh, you know, we were making money. We Well, I'll say we weren't losing money, but I mean, as you know, to try and get a record deal costs a lot of money, you know, lawyers and promotions and recording songs and all this other stuff. So we were making a lot of money, but we were putting it all immediately right back into you know trying to quote unquote live the dream or make the dream happen or whatever you know so when we started APG we had all of these connections because of Gatlin and we'd been really professional at the clubs and everybody you know considered us very easy to work with so we just immediately started with the fan base and with the ability to make money and we weren't trying to get a record deal with that band so that money while it did go back into the band we actually pocketed you know, for an original band, we actually pocketed some. You know, part of the money at every show, so it was, you know, it w- it wasn't too bad. I mean, if I, I mean, looking back now, it's different because with you know my cover band brother, believe me, I mean, we make a lot of money. So there's a discrepancy, but back then it, it really wasn't. I was very lucky. So, you know, being professional really paid off.
1: I, w- I went to see a friend of mine. Uh, he sings now in a Faith No More tribute band. I went and saw him a couple of weeks ago in Nashville and it it was funny because the the like it was a who's who of late 90s new metal out of Nashville like the guitar player was from one band the bass player was from another band the drummer was from one you know it, it was like one member of each of those bands that were popular in the late 90s and they were they all got together to do this faith no more tribute band and we were kind of i've never been one for the you know I would never go to you know, appetite for destruction or like the four horsemen, like those kind of, uh, tribute bands coming through town. I mean, I might go like, if, if I, if I got a call from a buddy and he's like, Hey man, let's go get some drinks. And there's a, you know, a, a skid row cover band playing tonight, tribute bands, you know, you go down, you have a couple of drinks, you enjoy the, uh, you know, those songs being played live and, you know, see if the guy can sing like Sebastian or not. But I mean, that's basically what we did is we went down to, to, to Nashville, the wife and I, and, you know, it was almost like a family reunion because everyone from the scene kind of came out. You know, we all got babysitters, and, and we went out and saw a show for, for uh, once again. And, you know, we all just had a couple of beers and then watched our friends play Faith No More songs, which I think they actually did a fantastic job. I was actually uh, blown away by it. They're called The Real Thing, a Faith No More tribute. Um, <laughs> and it was just so funny to watch. Like, I was wondering how many people were there. Because they saw on the marquee, you know, Faith No More Tribute Act and in what they thought about it. Because a lot of the people that were there were were friends, but then the the other half of the crowd were just people there to see a Faith No More Tribute. So I I just kind of wondered that, you know, how many people actually go out to see,
2: uh, you know, said tribute band. It's, it's funny you mention that because uh, Saturday night, the Atomic Punks are going to be in a city about 35, 40 minutes away from me, and I'm going to see the Atomic Punks. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like the original Van Halen tribute. Actually, uh, Michael Starr, uh, his real name is Ralph Sains from um, uh, Steel Panther. He was their original singer. And, um, yeah, whenever they're in town, you know, I go see them. I mean, maybe maybe it's a little different for me because Van Halen doesn't exist. You know, they don't they don't tour. Yeah. So, it's like the only way I'm going to be able to see those songs, and I mean, hell, there's a there's a local tribute band to Van Halen called Panama, and I've seen them a number of times. So I, I actually will go see that stuff because to me, it's you know the the real band doesn't come around very often. So,
1: but are you are you going to see it to get front row and to sing along, or are you going to see it to to grab a couple of beers with with your lady, or or you know? You wrestle Chris Aiken out of the house or something, you know, you know, <laughs> are, you know, are you, are you going for that aspect or are you going to like see those songs live and just sit
2: up front and sing along? I, I'm actually going for the musical experience of it to sing along and stuff because, uh, my brother and I like to go to shows together. And, um, so it's he and I and his girlfriend and my wife and potentially my guitar player. But yeah, we actually go to sing along and get into it because we just love the tunes. Yeah. And, you know, because I, I'm a, I'm a fan of live music, so I th- I think, you know, to to ask if people actually go see these types of bands, the tribute bands, I mean, I think it depends. Because I think if you're a big fan of live music, like I am, then, you know, you you listen to it on, on MP3 all the time, but it's just a whole different feel to have it just yeah. blasting no, your hair that. back yeah. in a live environment. So, for me, it's it, for me that's what it's about. You know, I've I've heard you know Mean Street and you know Romeo Delight millions of times on an mp3 so i want to hear it live you know and in person so for me that's what it is yeah so
1: uh maybe maybe a band that's defunct like it would probably be fun to go see a misfits cover band you know there there are a few pantera tribute bands going around um I did see that there's like a Lamb of God tribute band out there. And I was just like, that's, that's bizarre <laughs> because Lamb of God is not only are they, all of the original members <laughs> they are still touring, playing big shows, yeah, right. but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just funny. Like the, the, Shows that pop up in my in my you know uh feed and stuff. I mean, like here for, here in Louisville for a long time, there was a, a, a Deftones tribute band trying to get off the off the ground, but I don't I don't know if they ever found a singer. I know that they were always searching for a singer, and that's a very specific skill set that you need to be a, a Chino uh, tribute band. So it's I don't know, it's just so bizarre to me. And the other thing that's bizarre too is you get two or three of these tribute bands together, and they you know they'll they'll be the headliners of the show and then there's actual actual local openers and <laughs> it's just so bizarre that like the i think the tribute band cover band world is 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 you know almost just like money in the pocket you know money in the bank for
2: uh, for a lot of these venues ah uh, well i mean uh, look at well look at that pink floyd tribute band uh, wish you were here yeah i mean they're charging like 25 30 bucks to get into these things they've got the actual laser light show i mean you name it they're doing I mean, they're doing the real deal, and they're making a ton of money at this. And I mean, if you do it right, there's money to be made. I, I know, I know. Here at the House of Blues, here in Cleveland, uh, man, pretty, pretty frequently lately, they've had these, you know, like you said, like two or like two or three tribute bands. I mean, there was one that we went to go see. Uh, it was a show. It was an Iron Maiden tribute band, followed by a Megadeth tribute band, followed by a Metallica tribute band, and it was. I went, I was like, hell yeah, dude. (laughs) Like I was all about it. I'm like, I get to see three, you know, three bands I really like. So why not? You know, it's close enough for me.
1: See, I think that would be, to me, that would be a fun night, you know, four, five, six people going out and having some drinks and, and, to but you know, more more kind of hanging around the back of the venue and like talking between songs. I mean, like, oh, they did uh Savage True really good, or I don't know, man, that guitar player, he, he's not hitting all the notes right. I think I would, I just I, maybe I'm just too over critical, maybe over analytical, and I, I would just be like, well, these are all right, but they're not you know, they're not the real thing,
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think for me, like, I don't mind it as much because and I, I used to catch hell for this when I was, you know, in a local band, but I've always, you know, compared local bands to national bands and said, you know, there's a lot of bands that say, Oh, you got to support the scene. You got to support the scene. And I'm like, well, I do support the scene, but that doesn't mean I have to come see every band because most of the bands suck ass. And I don't want to see shit music. It's, you know, it's, it's not that I'm unsupportive. It's that I'm unsu. it's not that I'm unsupportive of the scene. I'm unsupportive of your crap ass songwriting. (laughs) So, you know, and so when I go to see a tribute band, I figure that if they're getting booked at a reasonable venue, they have to be at least worth a damn somewhat. So, um, so I don't mind that, but you know, well, <laughs> so the, the, I, the, I don't really,
1: the thought I had going into the real thing, going into see the the faith, no more tribute was, I don't know. I w I would not have driven three hours just to see my buddy play in a, a in an all original band you know, second hit. That was their, that was their second show. It's actually a pretty big venue, pretty decent sized crowd, but I mean, I'm not driving three hours to see him and his new band. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's in his forties. I'm not going to go, you know, your new band's not going to do anything. Um, yeah, but I went to see, I was like, I got to check out this faith no more thing. I knew how big of a fan he was of faith no more. So to me it's something I want to see. I want to, and then when you're there, you're like, oh, shit, they're playing this song. Oh, man, I can't believe they're playing this song. They, you know, they they pretty much played one or two songs off of pretty much every album, you know, even down to stuff off of uh Album of the Year and, you know, some great stuff off of uh King for a Day. You know, they just didn't focus on, you know, We Care a Lot and, and uh, obviously, The Real Thing and Angel Dust. They actually played pretty much something off of, I think, of every album, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, it was it was just a fun night you know i can i can't I can't get over that how fun it was so, i mean i guess i guess along with what you're saying is if you go and you see that they're you know if they if they're booked at the you know the big theater in your town and they're charging 30 bucks a ticket they're probably pretty good i mean they might not be but i yeah. mean you, it's given off the you know if it's a free ticket and it's at a shitty bar, you're like, ah, oh, they probably suck. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. so, right. so I guess like, you know, when, when you get a, a $30 ticket, you're at least given the perception that the band is good.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think you just hit on something interesting in that, I mean, the, one of the other draws for me, you know, to go see a band like Panama or the atomic punks is that, uh, as my cat tries to tear down the entire system here, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the, one of the, attractions is that you get to see uh you know deep cuts you're, you're not just yeah. you know and i when i go to when i go to see these van halen bands i'm not just getting running with the devil panama jump you know i'm getting crazy stuff like the full bug and you know she's the woman and things like that so you know it's 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 cool you know it's it's very, it's really interesting and you know to your other point of it's a fun night i actually have driven two hours and done an overnight road trip to Columbus to see a Queensrÿch tribute band because it was, you know, my brother and a friend of mine, and we really like Queensrÿch, and we're like, well, this has to be kind of good. I mean, if you could pull off Queensrÿch, could be in a tribute band, you got to know what you're doing. <laughs> so we we got a hotel room and went to Thurman Burgers and then went and saw a Queensrÿch tribute band rip it up, and it was, you know, I mean, it was two hours for a cover band basically, but. You know, it was exactly like I said, it was a fun night of just, you know, having beers, you know, pounding shots and listening to songs you never get to hear, you know, from a band that you enjoy. So I'm definitely with you on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's you know, m- m- maybe I'm converting it. The more the more I say it out loud, the more I'm like, you know what, maybe I would have a good time. But I think it would be more along the lines of going for a good time and it would still just have to be a guy's night out type thing. It's, you know, to where the wife might want to go see it. Chippendales, you know, I'm probably going to be like, man, let's go see a fucking, you know, Megadeth tribute band because that would, I think that would be be a lot of fun. Right? Like, I actually posed this question on Facebook a while back, but it was, it was, does the does the tribute band need to look like the band that they are tributing? Does is that a, is that a thing that you need to see? Like, did the guy playing Axel, does he need to have you know long red hair and a bandana? You know, can he just be like a bald dude that's with a fat gut? You know,
2: I, I I'm torn on that one because you know the punks look like Van Halen. Uh, two of them anyway, David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen look like them. And the other two guys, not so much, uh, especially the bass player. Uh, and then... He doesn't look like Wolfgang. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> doesn't look like Wolfgang. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the drummer kind of looks like Alex if you look at him a little bit, I guess. But And then, you know, with Panama, honestly, the, the odd thing is, is that I, I think the singer in Panama is a better David Lee Roth than the guy in the atomic punks. And it, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the last time I saw the punks, I'm like, wow. Cause I, 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 somewhat know the lead singer of Panama because I've been to a number of their shows and we, he's gotten me ungodly fall down drunk on Jack Daniels. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just like, it's not cause I know him. It's like the guy he's, he's, he dresses a little better and he does more stage moves and sounds a little more like him, but I kind of depends on the band. You know, because I mean, when when you if you're going to see a Van Halen tribute band like I am, you want to see the striped guitar. Yeah. And, you know, bo- both guys have the striped overalls. But, you know, and if you're seeing Slash in a Guns tribute, you want to see the top hat, and the shades and the curly hair. and, But I think if it's something like, you know, an Iron Maiden tribute band, like I, I was I was going to try out for a tribute, an Iron Maiden tribute to sing. And they just got up there in, you know, black T-shirts and jeans. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it kind of depends on if they don't have like a really distinct look. Yeah. That, you know,
1: <laughs> when actually this this conversation came up with Mitch LaFon and we were talking about I was trying to think of like a um he was talking about an Australian kiss cover band that was from the revenge era. So it was like a an unmake uped kiss tribute band. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and They all got the five o'clock shadow and the black hair. <laughs> right. Really bad goatees and things. <laughs> right. Their side project is Carnival of Souls. <laughs> Was that what that thing was called? The record after that it was like basically like the demos. When they had decided they were going to do the reunion, they had to put out another record. So they put out the demos of what was supposed to be the record after Revenge.
1: I I don't know the timeline on that one. I know I know what you're talking about, but I I know that the Carnival of Souls and then yeah, I think Carnival. Oh uh, man, I'm gonna get tilt, I know that killed was the the I- Guys, there was there was they were in the studio recording, I believe Carnival of Souls in like 94 95 when basically Gene and Paul came in and were like hey MTV wants us to get Ace and Peter on stage and then uh, we're probably going to do a world tour kind of thing like in the middle of recording yeah. a new album so it was that's like I think Bruce and Eric Singer at the time before he was back of the band but um, you know I think they were just completely crushed they 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 they've always talked about how they knew that that day was coming they just didn't know when and they kind of you know broadsided them
2: yeah i think yeah wasn't it that they that was when they in the middle of recording that record is when they came out and said we're gonna do this unplugged thing and then that's what kind of yeah jump started the whole thing yeah
1: thank God it did because I got to see him in makeup again <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey that was that was my first kiss experience in ninety uh, five yeah I had to I was like as soon as they announced that I was like you know I mean I I, li- I like Kiss I, I like a lot of their stuff and I was like oh man I'm not missing this like <laughs> like I have to see Ace in makeup. Yeah, I had seen, uh, so. seen
1: Ace and Peter. They did a Bad Boys of Rock tour, or something like that. '90. Nin- they did that in 95. So it was like Peter opening for Ace and then 96 rolls around. They did the makeup reunion. Actually, I saw them open. Uh, they, they had Power Man 5000 open for them. And that was before Power Man kind of turned into a space alien band. They were still kind of a... Kind of a new metal band and they got, I was like the only one in the entire crowd that enjoyed Power Man 5000. They were pretty much getting booed <laughs> right. off the stage between every song.
2: Yeah. I, I opened for those guys. Ironically at a nice. show that cost 92 cents to get in. It was, <laughs> yeah, they, it was uh, our local radio station it was called 92, three extreme radio. And uh, they would do these uh, things that the Odeon uh, held about a thousand people uh, here in town. And it was called the, uh, the uh, Lodo show. And they would get these nationals in and they would literally charge 92 cents a ticket. Cause you know, 92.3 and we played with them and it was, it was crazy. Nice. It, was, it was wild, man. It was them and blindside. No, oh, nice. And I love blindside. So yeah. yeah, when I, when I, when I saw the kiss tour, the Deftones opened and wow. I, I am not a Deftones fan in any respect. And so I, I always tell people that, uh, you know, I actually took a nap at the Kiss show. <laughs> so that know. was
1: that was very very early on in uh, Deftones' lore too.
2: Yeah, because in '95, yeah, that was God. They had what, maybe two records out or something at that point.
1: One, they, maybe they were still on
2: the first album. Okay, yeah. Like I say, i not not being a fan. I <laughs> don't know their don't know their history and all that. So
1: my history of playing in the Cleveland area, I played uh, Peabody's with Primer.
2: Oh, oh, so good. Was it the old Peabody's down that, in the Flats? That would have been 2002. So that would have been the new one, probably. <laughs> up, up with it, Attached to a pizza shop and stuff.
1: I don't remember. I remember there being like a really big upstate... Like the backstage was like upstairs. That's all yeah. I really remember from that one. There, and then, go
2: ahead. Was there a whole other bar up there?
1: I don't remember there being another bar up there. I remember. I don't really remember that many people being upstairs. I mean, that's been... Fifteen years ago, so I yeah. that whole that whole time period's blur. And then I was telling, oh, Achanon, come on, man, <laughs> you don't
2: remember, you don't remember every single place you played
1: in two thousand two. I've got a pretty good memory of that stuff. A lot of people go like, "Don't you remember that?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I do remember that." But uh, we we in Twelve Volt Negative Earth, I actually booked a tour in '98, right out of high school, and we played uh, Ron's Crossroads.
2: Oh God, I I opened for Testament there on the Low tour. Nice. I mean I and knowing testament for anybody that's seen them what an ungodly brutal live band they are mm-hmm. to see to see that band in that tiny of a place was oh my god that was absolutely insane and we we did our stuff and then there was a I think it was a band called Spawn that was a huge Akron band at the time we were we were a big Cleveland band and then you know they did their thing and then Testament comes on, and it was just like, they opened with low, and you're just like, oh, my God. Still one of my Talk favorite about, songs. Mine, too. I absolutely love that record. Hail Mary is just yeah, an amazing song. Like like uh, Trail of Tears, even though it's one of the slower ones. I mm-hmm. love that song. I mean, even that instrumental is really cool. Yuratsuka Doji, that Japanese name one or whatever the heck it is. That's uh, There's so much good stuff on that CD, man.
1: Yeah, Chuck Billy is one of the only people that have... Uh... I've edited out an answer to one of his, to one of my questions. I was like, man, I just don't even want to put that on him. Like he, he he kind of, I caught him off guard with a uh, Dakota pipeline question about the Indians or whatever. Right. And he just, <laughs> he answered it really weird. And I was like, okay, we moved on to something else. And then I played it for, for the wife and I was like, does this sound really weird to you? And she said, yeah. So I took it out. So there's like that. I, they, they were doing 12 minute interviews and i was like fuck it's like i still got to take it it's chuck billy so i yeah. t- i took my little 12 minute interview and then you know a 2 minute answer i had to take out completely so like the the chuck I billy episode the the chuck billy episode is basically just a 10 minute interview with you know like three songs intertwined in it
2: god oh, damn what what uh, what record was that for
1: this uh the latest one the brotherhood of the snake
2: oh did you get to ask him like did he get more into the fact about uh, how it was such a difficult record to make, and it wasn't fun, and we're never doing this again? And like he did with every other interview, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that?
1: I think so. I think he, it, you know, it pretty much was was run of the mill. It wasn't anything uh, groundbreaking or whatnot. But my my, uh, my Ron's Crossroads story is kind of funny. We ended up um, going to Akron. We were in Akron for like three days in the middle of a tour. Like it was in the middle of the week, so we we got to right. Akron. And we got there the, the day we got there, Earth Crisis was playing uh, Ron's Crossroads. So we, we show up to the gig or we show up to Ron's Crossroads. Earth Crisis is playing. And we're like, oh shit, you know, we're playing here in two days. We'll uh, see if they'll let us, you know, go in and see the show. So we get there really early and we're talking to the uh, people that run the club or somebody with the club. And, and they're like, hey man, we're playing here in a couple of days. We'd like to check out Earth Crisis tonight. Obviously, we're on tour. We have no money. Um, you know, can we come in and check it out? Oh, yeah, there'd be no problem. As I'm talking to the person to let us in for free, the word is getting out that whoever's on tour with Earth Crisis can't make the show. So it's just Earth Crisis, no opening bands, right? So me being me who and and I liked Earth Crisis back then. I mean this is the late 90s. They're 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 pretty much still kind of in their in their height if they're not coming, you yeah, know, you know, in their height of, you know, being the hardcore straight edge band and we were all fans of those guys. So I was like, yeah. "Man, we've got our equipment in the parking lot. Like we can open for for you guys if you want. We won't, you know, we won't even charge you kind of thing." And they're like, "Hell yeah." So that's how we ended up opening for Earth Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and then we ended up playing a couple of days later, like our own show at uh, at Old Ron's Crossroads. It's uh yeah. We uh, we this is back when we videotaped everything, and uh, my buddy that was with us, <laughs> you hear him at one point go, "Well, we're still in Akron. Uh, we're now considered a local band, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> Being an Akron local band is not easy either. So, yeah, it was a badge of honor for you.
1: Yeah, it was a scary we, there's this part of the video where I guess those liquor barns or whatever they are, where you can drive through them. And like the people, like there's just liquor all around the car. Like we were, yep. we, like our, that was our first like real big leaving town kind of thing. And we, you know, we, there's videos of uh, our van and trailer pulling into the liquor barn. And we're just like, Oh my, like you hear all of the, the guys in the band, like this is fucking crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're kind of used to that here. I mean, the, one of the one of the first times I played in Pennsylvania, we went to the gas station and we're looking around we're trying to get a crap load of beer because we had the night off. We weren't playing till the next day. It was at a music convention. And uh I'm like, damn, are we all blind? Like where's the beer? So we walked up to the the girl working the counter. We're like, Man, what the heck? I think we're all stupid. Like where's the beer? She said, At the distributor. I said, Ha ha, very funny. Where's where's the beer? She goes, At the distributor. I said, what are you talking about? We just want to get like a bunch of beer. She goes, you have to go. She, and then she stops and looks at me. She goes, wait a minute. Are you from out of state? And I went, <laughs> yeah, why? She said, oh, well, we don't, in order to get beer and alcohol in Pennsylvania, you have to go to a distributor. There's, and so she gave us directions when there's was like 10 minutes away. And then you walk in, it's just a booze, like grocery store. And you're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was like the first thing we had to learn on going on tour was the different local beer laws and the alcohol laws you know in some places you walk in and the CVS has the the booze behind the counter and then some places you know the gas station has it or some places you can only buy liquor and beer at the liquor store and then there's no then the the different cutoff times and it, it's it's such a such a crazy thing, and that's like one of the first things you have to learn going on tour. Is like, oh shit, you know, beer sales stop at eleven on Tuesdays, and you're like, where the fuck did that law come from?
2: Yeah, right. That that kind of stuff would drive me nuts. I, I was I was somewhere, God, what state was I at recently that it was actually like that? It was like early sales, and, and around here it's one o'clock. So I think it was you know like 11, 30, 12 o'clock or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I need some beer. Oh, we don't sell anymore. I'm like, it's not one o'clock. We we stopped selling at eleven or whatever. I'm like, ah, you guys blow. <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> this is terrible. Now I have to go pay bar prices. This is horrible. It's, yeah, so. it's,
1: uh, I, I technically live in Indiana. I live on the Indiana side of of Louisville, and um <laughs> it's funny, you know. Here, there's no beer sales on Sundays, but you know, you can drive two minutes down over a bridge and get all the beer that you want. And then there's like, you know, no. I think it's like no cold beer over here, but there's cold beer over there. It's it's the most bizarre thing, and you're like, you you can basically throw a rock at the at the you know across the river, and that's the same thing. I think we were in. um we were in Kansas City, one of the first tours I ever did, and and we actually had to drive to the what is it Missouri side of Kansas. You know, it was it was either we were in the Missouri side and had to drive to Kansas, or we were in the Kansas side and had to drive to Missouri. But we had to like do that to like get more beer at like two a.m. It was you know <laughs> it's just the shit the shit you find out out there.
2: I, I learned I learned early on in our like I said I, I toured regionally very minimally. Um, but I learned early on that if, uh, we had like an overnight that I was just going to stock up in Cleveland and part of the packing was, do I have my suitcase? Yeah. Do I have my base? Yeah. Is my rig good? Yeah. Do I have batteries for the wireless? Yeah. You know, I got jugs of water, you know, just at least keep some sort of hydration on my vocal cords. Yeah. Okay, do I have, like, five cases of beer? Yeah. Like, (laughs) it just became part of packing. Because I'm like, I don't want to screw with anybody else's rules. I just, if we're going to drink beer, we're going to drink a lot of damn beer and not mess with it. So, (laughs) only thing we had to go find was ice. And that (laughs) was the only thing we had to hunt for. So, you know.
1: It happens out there, man. Well, John Drake... I appreciate you taking the time. Actually, I'll, I'll throw this at you. You know that the name Drake is actually in my in my bloodline. Uh, my grandmother really? on my mother's side is uh, were Drakes, so I'm, I guess I'm about one eighth
2: Drake. <laughs> See, and, and Drake is actually not in my bloodline. That's actually not my family's actual name. So, man, well, I'm more Drake that. than you you're, are. You're more of a. <laughs> I was just about to say, you're, you're more Drake than I am. Now, if 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 you had a drach in there, D-R-A-C-Z, then, yeah, but, you know, that's the uh, Ukrainian side. Came over on the boat and didn't want to be outed as, as foreign as they were, so they legally changed it to something more American-sounding.
1: Well, I mean, you know, how, how long ago was that, though?
2: Oh, God, that was 1920s, I yeah, think. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, technically we could be in the same bloodline as you know maybe maybe my drakes came from those drakes the draches whatever <laughs>
2: You never know. Yeah, you never know. Looks like we have to do that damn ancestry.com uh, thing.
1: I'm now. never doing that, man. I don't care what anybody says. That's some sort of like weird and we're not gonna get into it, but like the whole uh, whatever company it is trying to micro trip their employees. That's the same thing as is the, the ancestry.com is just the uh, like once they run your DNA and they get all your listing, what do they do with that DNA? Is it just sitting somewhere? No, they're they're selling that off to the government and it's it's, so it's a conspiracy. That you know it's funny <laughs> that's like the one of the I I'm I'm normally not I'm normally not the conspiracy guy. There's like two or three things in my life that that I, I that spark that trigger, and one of them is that stupid DNA testing with Ancestry.com because I know that they're doing something with your DNA.
2: <laughs> See, I, I, I don't know. I, if they are, I'm like, I don't give a crap. <laughs> it's like I'm not in trouble with the law. They're not going to find any dirt on me or anything. Like, I just... You know, whatever.
1: What's well, crazy <laughs> with the with that is like I don't trust that, but like if I go to a website that needs I need to put my credit card information in and it's like warning, warning, this is a spam site and blah blah blah, and I'll like X out all that crap, put in my credit card number, and my CVV number and expiration date. Yeah. Like I you know, I I could care less about that site, but when it comes down to uh ancestry.com and, <laughs> and all that stuff, I'm like, right. nope, nope, not today, not today, devil. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm just – I'm laid back on all that. I'm like, look, if someone's going to steal from me, then whatever. I just – I don't know. I, yeah, it is. But, I mean, to me, life's too short. I mean, You can worry about everything anymore. I mean, next thing you know, they're going to tell you that oxygen is bad for you. So if you really want to find things to worry about, they're everywhere. So I try to worry about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just worried about when the next Star Wars trailer is coming out. So. <laughs> Nerd That's alert. The worry in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nerd alert. You need a you need like a little like hot key
1: for that. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Nerd alert! Well, John, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you coming on to the show, being a part of the show now. Hopefully, everybody enjoys you uh enjoys all this coming along, and um you know, Thanks just you, appreciate you k- taking the time and all that fun stuff.
2: Yeah, not a problem. I, I enjoy doing it, and hopefully, people you know get into us, you know, going back and forth, and. uh you know, thanks again for inviting me on.
1: Very cool. And if you guys want to check us out, it's uh talk to Make sure to head over there. You can find uh, all the merchandise and uh, the Patreon page and all the fun stuff, the past archives of the show. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff over on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. And uh, we will come back next week. We'll actually have a guest next week, maybe some Cleveland ties. We'll see what goes on there. So for the talk to me podcast, I'm Joshua Toomey. I'm John Drake. And we will talk to you guys next week. Let's end this with the Testaments Low. How about we do that?
2: I love it. All right. Talk
1: to you later. Nerd alert!